0: Hey, it's Keefus and Jake from the band Unloved, and
1: you're listening to Sticky Jazz. Jazz, jazz, jazz. The opinions
2: expressed on this show are solely those of Jeremy Hinks and Sticky Jazz Podcast and do not necessarily reflect those of anyone else on this planet. So good day, everybody. Welcome to Sticky Jazz. I'm Jeremy Hinks, the man of a million musical opinions, all of which happen to be correct, this week, I've got the Chicago-based, uh, I don't know, you'd call them the American Interpol, I guess, was uh, one of the, the terms that came up. Uh, they're called Mirrors, and uh, I talked to Sean and uh, Sean Rios and Brian McSweeney of the band. They're veterans from other, uh, from other bands who just happened to have decided to get together and make this record, and it is a definite winner. Just released a week or so ago. I'm going to kick this episode off with their song Nightwalk, and uh, so let's get this one rolling. By the way, everybody, uh, just out of a a good note here, it was Record Store Day a couple weeks ago, and uh, popped into Grey Whale. They're in Salt Lake City. Well, they're actually the one in West Valley City, Taylorsville, Utah. Um, It is one of the bigger vinyl shops I've been in in a very long time. And uh, they seem to have a... They they just have a great selection. And uh, I'm just popping a good word for them. So check out Grey Whale on Redwood Road in Salt Lake. Their socials are up there. Um, They were where we bought CDs back in the 90s. And now it's all about vinyl. They are a 60% vinyl shop is everything that they sell. And there are a place you guys are going to want to check out. So look up Grey Whale again in Utah. In Salt Lake. And with that, I'm kicking us off with the song Night Walk by Mirrors. Let's all sit back and sticky up the jazz, everybody. everybody welcome to sticky jazz i'm jeremy hanks and uh today i have brian and sean from the chicago based uh outfit called mirrors and uh they've just uh we're they've just released an album called motion and picture and uh we're gonna be covering that and just some of the some of the history that these guys have thank you for coming to the show guys
0: thank you thanks for having, us. for having us appreciate it
2: so you're outside there sean looks like you're uh, you're getting a bit of sun out there where you're at
1: beautiful right now in chicagoland that's for sure
2: yeah i i'm i'm in salt lake we had snow here yesterday so um it's wow. we're, yeah we're still in the middle of winter here sort of you know if i like it's it's crazy that we're still getting snow this late in the year um but uh yeah, let's see. So this is what happened, right? I was talking to your publicist about somebody else, but you were on the 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 listen to Howard later playlist. And because mm-hmm. uh, he's always sending me stuff, I get probably 11, 12 bands a day from him. And I'm like, just going through and I'm like, okay. Wow. And you, you guys were being played while I was typing an email to him about something else. And I just said, Hey man, you know, this, this mirrors, uh, but th- these guys are really good. And then before I know it, he's like, well, do you want to talk to him? And so here we are. So this is the uh, so you have the release of Motion and Picture, which is I guess that's your first full length album. Is that correct? Correct. Correct. Okay, but you guys are veteran musicians. As far as I can tell, I've seen plenty of other stuff from you guys out there. Uh, Brian, you've got your own solo work as well. Uh, although your hair is a bit shorter on the uh, on the Spotify profile there,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's an old picture.
2: So I I'm
0: wearing a wig.
2: Oh, it... <laughs> okay. No, I'm not. <laughs> well, I just I I've been listening to a lot of Chicago bands lately. I just I went and shot Ministry and Frontline Assembly last weekend, and nice. yeah, I'm 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 big fan of all those guys. Right, Ministry and thrill kill cult and pretty much all the whole wax tracks i mean chicago's just a wonderful town for for music and so i and i know you're probably not i I don't know would you play with ministry that would be a hell of a show i would think but it was uh it was a crazy loud metal you know show that uh, they gave us on uh friday night with gary newman and frontline assembly it was just awesome and i just think oh why can't why can't salt lake make these kinds of bands you know i mean we're <laughs> I mean, we get we get, imagine dragons and that but you know nothing as good as uh that type of stuff on a continual basis there um so the new album uh i i guess i'll dive into some of just the history of it uh in a bit but well, I was listening to the Sean "Gunshot Glitter," and that was the first one that just came up on the. Okay, let me just grab this and play. And I was listening to it, and it sounded a lot like a mix between Muse and U two with Freddie Mercury. And it was, <laughs> wow. it was fantastic. I, mean, I was like, "This is like I'll take
0: all of those. He'll <laughs> take
2: all of those." Okay. Well, I was like, "This is really good." And then I was just, and then I was like, wait a minute. Isn't that a, oh, that, and then I heard the Jeff Buckley in it. It's also, oh, that's why, yeah, okay, it's a Jeff Buckley song, and that's why it kind of goes that direction, too. What made you guys pick that? I mean, Jeff Buckley, how can you pick which one? But why why that one, I guess, to start with, on the Jeff Buckley side?
0: We've we've both been Buckley fans for, like, quite some time. And um, after Sean and I were considerably I'd say a, a decent way along in the writing of the songs that would be on, you know, motion and picture on the first album. Um, Sean just came to me one day and he was like, Hey, let's, uh, I got an idea. What do you think about it? Um, and he, he brought up, you know, what do you think about us covering this song? Um, I thought it was a really cool idea. Um, it was like, You know, back in the day when I used to um, be on the road touring in other bands and stuff, I remember like going to independent record stores and they would have import sections where you'd have like honestly a lot of live bootleg CDs from like, um, you know, just artists board tapes or whatever and um, like in Europe and stuff like that. And in an import section, I I bought sketches, you know, as soon as it came out. And I noticed that um, on the Japanese import, there was an extra song but um, only on the Japanese import version on the on like the uh, the the demo CD of sketches. It was Gunshot Glitter. And I mean, it was a relatively unknown song for a very long time. And I think part of the appeal of Sean's idea to me was like, well, it's, you know, essentially an unfinished song. There's it, it, there are really beautiful elements in it. And and um, I love, you know, kind of where Jeff's mind was going. But there's also some meandering here. Like this very much does feel like an unfinished idea. Um, On top of that, Sean had a relationship with Jeff's actual drummer from Grace, Matt Johnson. Um, They had known each other for a handful of years and it was Sean's idea also to, you know, see if maybe Matt wanted to be involved in the track. And we just thought, gosh, what a special thing this would be if we took this song that we both really love and just take a stab at it. And, you know, to make it even more special, have Matt be a part of the process of arranging and kind of bringing together some, you know, making it our own and and something that, um, you know, in our first rehearsal, we'd had, Sean and I had thought about it a little, a, you know, before we got together with Matt in a room to, to really try to flesh it out. Sean and I had gotten together and thrown the song into Pro Tools and we were, toying around with what an arrangement could look like and we started running the idea ideas by Matt when we were in the room and and one of the things he said was like you know Jeff would have been all about this he would have loved this with Jeff there were no like sacred cows anything he'll you know try anything see what happens and nothing nothing is too precious so that was when we really felt like you know because another thing at first we thought should we even do this like is this are we going to get a lot of shit? Are we going to catch a lot of shit for this? Like, or, you know, how dare you try to cover Buckley? But then when, when Matt told us like, you know what, man, Jeff would, he would want someone to just have fun with this. And um, we just thought, we thought, yeah, let's go for it then. You know, why not? Why shouldn't we do this?
2: Well, Jeff was one of those guys that I've, I've, I've noticed about Jeff. He's one of those guys that once you push play, you're, 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 you're screwed. You know, you, you can't just say, okay, okay, one more song. Okay, just one more song, right? Like, he's just the guy, when you put him on a yeah. shovel, you're like, Ugh. you know, you don't, once he's not a one-song guy to listen to. Right. And so you, you push play, and you just are involved in it continually. That's That's been my experience with Jeff Buckley. So, uh, I I mean, hey, that's just how I, anyway, that's how I feel about the guy and so he's one of those that like i i can't pick one song per se to say i'd be like oh wow let's let's do this five or six in a row you know he he's not a single song listening type and uh so i mean hey congratulations you you can do one with that guy um, but uh, anyway Sean, you were going to say something
1: <laughs> yeah it was just you know I, it's one thing to do a song that everyone knows and it's been recorded I think American Idol and every, every song singer contest TV show out there has done that. But I really think it was something unique for us to try to actually, in a sense, um, have the nerve to finish a song that was started. And um, when we did that, it was kind of liberating because that means we can do whatever we wanted to. Once we got past... The sacred car, sacred cow part. Once we got past getting Matt's blessing, we felt a lot of freedom, but that didn't mean that there was still, you know, that there wasn't still a challenge. Um, Matt really stepped in uh, as like sort of a moment producer when we were figuring out what to do. Um, it was even sort of frustrating at times when we we're figuring it out. We didn't really have a clear plan until Matt was with the entire band at my place. And that's when I was sitting on my daughter's drum kit, Matt was sitting on my drum kit, and it clicked, it really clicked. And I think once that happened, that began a clear trajectory for what Brian was gonna do from his part. What a lot of people don't know is that Brian's performance in that song is the first take. And we tend to be very, that record we tend to be very methodical we tend to be somewhat perfectionists in the way that we wanted the record to be experienced but um but lucky for us you know Ryan was ready he was even thinking about that song for a long time it's funny when i brought up the song with Ryan over dinner um you know, it was immediately like, yes, that's, that's the one. I mean, I love that song. It's probably my favorite song. And I would say it's probably one of Brian's favorite fucking songs. So it was a no brainer for us, but it was definitely some, some trepidation, some fear there. Do we have enough nerve to go in and, and essentially finish a song, excuse me, finish a song that Jeff started?
2: Well, you did it very well. And mm-hmm. I, I could, there was a lot of a Jeff sound to it. It wasn't one that I knew actually until I read. Oh, this was a Jeff Buckley song. Okay, but, um, it was like, obviously there was so much of his signature sound in it. But then you guys took it in your own direction, very, very heavy, very different. Um, again, like I was like, is he? Wow, that's got some Freddie Mercury there. And the, the, the whole <laughs> Muse kind of science fiction vibe, you know, science fiction soundtrack. And there's a Muse where and and I'd like and there was some Bono-esque feel to it. I'm like, damn, he's he's like going for broke here with this record. <laughs> but then you're saying that was your only take or that was your first take, uh, apparently your first one, which. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. I mean, wow, to do that first time around. <clears throat> My hat is off to you. That was so hey, well done, man.
0: Sometimes you get lucky.
2: <laughs> sometimes you. So any takes after that, you're like, no, no, no. wasn't as good as the first one. So, <laughs> that, yeah. Jeez. Well, some of the best serendipitous moments are when you're just saying, let's just try this. And it, it goes. Obviously, that one went really well for you. Um, It just, it's a great piece on the record. Uh, But one of the things that I I realized about the whole of the record as well is that no two songs are really alike. It's like you guys really made it a point to squeeze a whole bunch into each song, but there's no real like patent like sound that I could say is per song, right? It's like they're all very different entities. They all sound really different, almost as if you're different bands a lot of the time and i i mean i just was thinking to myself how do they how do they do that come up with so many ideas okay we're got all oh, this to squeeze into this one and then to make something so different just on the next track um, talk about how that songwriting came in cuz you guys really do have a talent for that to, to like say okay we're going to make an album that each song is going to be different and good but each one is going to be clearly distinctly different from the previous song
0: yeah, I really appreciate that. I think, um, I mean, that's huge. That's like one of the biggest compliments I think I, I've ever heard because like that's how I think about the albums to me that most influenced me in my life were just like that, like Purple Rain, like George Michael Faith, like, um, I don't know. I mean, I could I could name a handful of albums like that and I think... Those are my favorite albums, where every song feels like you're in a different room and feel and, and looks like a different color and ha- gives you a different sensation. I think it's um, it's interesting because Sean and I really, for most of the songs on this album, there were a few that came from older ideas that we we made our own, but for the majority of the songs on this album sean and i started writing them with sean on drums me on guitar and vocal so really just with a a really bare bones approach to like the very basic what could what what is the most important part of this song and we just kind of dressed them up you know from song to song and, and we went through and asked ourselves for each song like what what does this song need to be its best without doing one ounce more than the song needs you know like how can we and I know that sounds weird because some of the songs do sound very dense and produced but it's like you go through a song section by section and if it isn't there yet it's not there yet and sometimes you have to take things away and sometimes you have to add things and I heard um I was having a conversation with a friend who's a producer last night. I thought it was super interesting. He was telling me about um, something that I'd never heard, which was, um, I can't remember the guy's name. It was one of the engineers that worked with Michael Jackson um, on, a, on a lot of, I mean, a famous engineer. His name is just escaping me right now. Sure. And he was, uh, the guy I was hanging out with last night was telling me that he'd watched this interview with this producer. And the guy was saying, I always knew when something was like when when we were getting there when we were getting close because Michael would start dancing and, 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 you know, just moving in the room. And he's like, and that translated into the, to the thought and kind of the mantra of you've got to keep Michael moving, you know, because when he stops moving, that means the part isn't really quite working yet. And I think that's really how we approached these, these songs. Like we knew when when more work needed to be done, but they all did start with a very bare bones you know just Sean on drums me on an electric guitar trying to work out the fundamentals of what you know what, what at, at its basic essence what is this song
2: so which one of you was dancing when you knew you had it which, I mean which one
0: well it wasn't as much dancing as much as it is smiling grinning for us okay. it's like when we look at each other and we're like got okay, that okay all right, grin all right. on our face and it's like yeah this is good
2: <laughs> then it's like cool <laughs> okay all right so that was your litmus yeah, test I, I would, if you're if you're both grinning like that then then you knew it was good okay what were you saying sean i yeah. would
1: i would say that as far as the first record is concerned we had the luxury of not having a band when writing the first record okay. and as strange as that sounds, as strange as that sounds and as dismissive as that sounds it's really not it just allowed us like brian was saying to really focus on the bare bones a lot of times I would get excited. I still get excited about things. Brian is very good at keeping a tempered approach, at holding off on the excitement. Let's let's investigate first. I tend to go more from instinct as a player, from instinct, uh, from from the first thing that comes to mind, I just go for it. Brian tends to really be um, a lot more thoughtful in the moment and a lot more um, open to, 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 to what it could still be. And that in the middle is, is really a big part of that first record. I, I love how that came about. Um, eventually, we slowly began to put the band together as a, as a five-piece band that we are now. But the record was finished while we were still a four-piece. It didn't become a five-piece until the record was essentially finished, which is interesting because we knew that we had to have that extra sense of of skills, hands, feet, another body to fulfill what we had already put together on the record. And it was just a matter of finding that right person to do that. But yeah, it it was really nice just focusing on what needed to happen not what could happen not you know it was it was a real centered focused thing and i learned a lot from brian at that point you know
2: so i guess you this you didn't have all right we have we have a previous record and thus we have some expectations of what we want to do or don't do this time around this was just nothing hi we're starting from scratch here to make well i mean a couple of singles but to make this record is new right I, and, and i guess that was what you're saying so it didn't matter the yeah. band or any previous work that we did we are starting new with this i mean you guys are veteran musicians from other bands plenty obviously but this was your first one together and uh from what it sounds like it was we we don't have anything to base what we're doing this off of uh i guess and uh i, I came out magic man it was it was fabulous yeah um awesome so the song "Sinistry," okay. Uh, I liked how that started out. I really liked how that started out. It had like this Gary Newman dystopian wasteland sound, and and then you went into this fun almost car chase scene soundtrack song with that "Sinistry." I don't, I don't like it. Just was this this dark vibe you're you're watching the world in this from this position and all of a sudden it felt like this would be in a crazy high-tech car chasing that was what that song put me into and (laughs) uh i like man the visualization i got from there was great but uh let's see uh uh, let me see if i got the lyrics right is there something you would like us to know uh that we to know that we don't now you belong we'll give you something you can take uh to keep your mind right uh you just and 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 then by the end you, you suddenly float into the very end like uh that last part the singing almost wasn't distinct from the guitar line that last verse there and it was so funny because i'm listening to the guitar line and all of a sudden it separated off into you singing i thought that was wild i was just sitting with my eyes closed enjoying the music and then oh wait now he's singing uh from that guitar it was such a bizarre but cool experience there but what was going on with that song what was behind those lyrics what was the i mean is there something you would like us to know that we don't know right i mean talk about that one because that was like a real banger of a song I, I would put that in i don't know a sci-fi fast in the furious man
0: well hopefully maybe one day it will be
2: if anyone if anyone
0: who's a maybe there's a director out there who ends up hearing this interview maybe they can make that happen <laughs> um really it's kind of a combination like i grew up in a pretty pretty religious world and um the the sinistry is really just like a combination of the words sinister and ministry right and it's kind of a um a uh what's the word i'm looking for um uh it doesn't matter a cynical take on like i'm, I'm a person who like i really thought hard and and long and and, and sincerely about the things that adults told me when i was a kid in that world and i made my own mind up about how i feel about it i would say that um religion is not for me um but that's not in any way the same thing as spirituality and um i think uh just having a real front row seat to all things religion um you know, I think it, um, it reminded me a lot of, in a lot of ways, there were a lot of parallels in that world um, with like the, the book Animal Farm, not Animal Farm, 1984, George Orwell, 1984. 1984. Yeah. And, um, and kind of the way I remember sitting in a pew um, when I was a teenager and listening to this kind of old-timey Bible thumper guy screaming at the congregation telling everybody that they needed to get up and come to the altar like every Sunday. And I just remember looking over at this one guy one, one week, and he was just like going to pieces in in his, in his chair. And I mean, the preacher was really, really getting after him, like just screaming. And, and I saw the guy get up and come down front and it's like, that's fear and abuse. And in a way it's like, in the religious world it's like it's it's almost like surveillance like if you accept certain premises it's like the government having ultimate surveillance um, over everything that you say and do it's like is there something you want us to know want you you know tell us confess it's like and it's also kind of like the um gosh i'm going to forget the russian author um who wrote a book about um
1: dostoevsky
0: dust it mm, that that's maybe oh, was it told Maybe story? that's right what, what was no. the book what was the book the book is um i can't remember the name of it but it's a, the, the story about how the guy is like coerced and convinced by the government that he is actually guilty of a crime that he did not commit oh that was kafka up...
2: uh the trial by kafka
0: that's right that's right okay so in a Sorry, way that, like, that guy was
2: Czech, not russian
0: Right. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. You, you got me there. Um, so that's kind of where it came from. It's like, I just remember thinking about the psychological abuse that these people were undergoing and it's like, everybody makes mistakes in life and, and we try to do our best, you know, we're born. I, I, I like to think in my opinion, we're not born evil. We're born ignorant. And we just don't know yet because we haven't made mistakes and learn what our mistakes, you know, what happens and then we do and we put our hand on the stove and it and it's and it's hot and then we don't do that again and we learn how life works and um yeah i mean i just that line in particular it was for me like is there something you want to confess do you want to give it all up for us but then once you do we have control of your your mental internal state and we always will and and that's
2: the line now you belong right so you've confessed to us yeah. now you're part oh now now we can accept you because you have okay
0: and not only can we accept you, but now we own you yeah. and we always will. As long as you believe that you're beholden to us as an institution, you belong to us.
2: Okay, dude, I was raised Mormon. Enough said. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know, I, was, <laughs> I, I spent yeah. so much time in that where literally you, you had to go in and tell them everything to right. get into good graces. And they still made you walk out feeling like you, you hadn't done it all right when you unloaded everything and Uh, so yeah very very much like that and and oh do you realize it's only just about control you know it was
0: yes you're creating a framework and by admitting that you are you are flawed in some way you are creating an agreement with an institution that says I don't deserve you and I'm going to spend the rest of my life paying tithes and offerings to to I don't know repent or, or make amends for something that inherently I'm worse than another human being but what people don't realize it's like there are people who don't grow up and don't ever subscribe to those ideals and they don't feel unfit for life and there that creates an unfair advantage you know for for the people that that don't believe they're inherently flawed by virtue of being born um i don't know that's a that's it's a we, we go on about a, that for
2: hours man that's like it's but lot, we, we, yeah. we are hitting some good we are hitting some good points here though uh for sure um, definitely deep thinking. Um uh let's see. The song Where Do We Go. Also, a lot of fun, good song. That started out with some nice distortion. I like the distortion at the beginning. You know what I'm talking about, right? The guitar, just that that grinding sort of uneasy yeah. sound. It's like, oh, this is mm-hmm. gonna be cool. And then you killed it with that bass line. I mean, it was a good bass line, so I kept following it, but Uh, I mean, that bass line and that riff, that was just great. It stayed through the whole song. And again, that was, I just was like, man, this isn't like anything else on the record. And I just enjoyed where that one was taking me as well. Um, Do you guys remember Primitive Radio Gods? Do you remember those guys? Of course, absolutely. Yeah, so I, I know those guys. I have everything they've ever done. Love their work. And it kind awesome. of, it, that kind of reminded me the way that the bass line and the guitar was going reminded me of the, the stuff of primitive radio gods that people didn't hear. I was like, Oh, hmm. this is so good. This is, this is like, get these guys on stage with the primitive radio gods. I was thinking, when I was listening <laughs> to that song. Um, <laughs> but uh, let's see. You can tell I like to dissect things, right? I really dissect the lyrics here. Um, Let's see, when your words have to, when you found out there's, when you found out it's more than your share, uh, when you're gone for the X on the spot and then you find that nothing's there. Uh, I mean, just talk that. The lyrics on that song were just fabulous. And, uh, you, you were kind of telling you. a couple of different stories in there, but, uh, Talk about that one. I I see a smirk on Sean's face over that one. So you probably say, Oh yeah, this many takes or whatever. What was the, just talk about that song and what the experience was or what it's about. So where do we go?
0: Um, That one came from kind of an electronic demo that I made one morning, a handful of years ago. That's very, very different from, from the the way the song ended up on our, on our album. Um, But Sean and I were still at that point trying to, that was one of a few ideas that started out very differently from how it ended up on the album. And we really were trying to take, you know, our new ideas but also some of some of the ideas from other, you know, from the past that we really liked and to make them fit with, you know, how can we do this where the two of us can work this out with our hands and instruments right now. And that's kind of the direction that we went with was this this um you know the tempo the way the song currently ended up and it's it's a very interesting song it's very unlike like it's it's a weird song it's a like like the pattern that sean came up with is very unconventional it's not something that you hear very it's very syncopated and it puts you your body almost doesn't know what to do with it. Your body almost doesn't know how to groove with it. You know, a lot of songs that you hear on the radio, you know, you just like fall in and you start nodding your head. Where do we go? Like it makes you feel a little, on un- like on un- not uneasy, but it's like how to. I like this, but I don't know what it is. I don't know what box box to put this in. Um, lyrically, it um, it came from this idea that I have that. Um, uh we spend our whole lives looking for things that we think we want i think one of the lyrics in the song is um when you rise to the times but you don't know what to want um yeah that was it like yeah you don't know what to want
2: when you're pushing the boat up to the top when it's coming and the, yeah yeah you don't know what to like you want you spend so, that so was much you-
0: time yeah, it's like you, you think you know what you want, and you think that you know what's going to make you happy, but when you look at a millionaire who's not happy and a poor person who is happy, it's like we, we approach the things that we think are going to make us happy. We put unnecessary, unnecessary steps between us and our happiness. Things like rather than, let's say my ultimate goal is, I, I don't know, i am not I'm not going to go too far down the rabbit hole, but... We end up chasing things that we think we want, but it's not really what we want. And then ultimately, I believe at the end, like an orgasm feels like an orgasm and a steak tastes like a steak and, and like a beautiful day is a beautiful day. And, and at their simplest, like the things that, like, it doesn't take a million dollars to have the very best things in life. But we we might say, oh, yeah, I know that. I really believe that. Yeah, that's great. Preach, brother. But we don't. We don't really believe it. But I think it is 100% sincerely true. And we think the things that we want, I, I just think we're confused about the things that we think we want. And we don't know what to want. So we go after what's in television, or we go after what we think we should want. When The things that we really want, if we're honest with ourselves, are like peace. We want peace. And we want someone who will listen to us. And we want to eat a good meal. And ultimately, hopefully, we want to live. So we want to be healthy. And those are things that don't take impressing people or working a job we hate for 30 years or Having a car or whatever. Why do you want the car so you can get the girl? So why are you going to spend $500,000 on a car when you could just be a a nice person and learn how to talk to people? And then maybe you could have a relationship with someone. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. It's like we fill our lives up with these bullshit indirect paths to what we think we want, but it's not really what we think we want in the first place
2: so, so you probably were just watching a lot of jackasses on reality tv going ah. <laughs> that's that's what it, okay the way that you're describing it i'm like yeah i see that i, I see i i see that being the situation to to write a song like that uh where you, you said um when when you've gone for the x on the spot and then you find there's nothing there right that was such yeah. a profound line um and and sean there was some complex uh beats on that it was again like i said it was the the rhythm and the guitar riff on that were very well syncopated as as unsettling like like you said it was brian right it was it was an unsettling musical piece but it was still i mean it was a complex piece to listen to but i also think you guys probably put a lot of thought into how you're going to lay these tracks out uh because if it's just you two that's what you start with you have plenty to build on. I, I guess it's. I mean, it's.
1: You know, it, it, it's. A, it was. It was a fun song. I, I've. I've been told by our mixing engineer. I've been told by Brian Deck that uh, the song has a lot of really strong um, Phil Collins Genesis pull to it. The transition between Peter Gabriel and Phil Collins Genesis. I thought that was really flattering. I'm glad that he heard it that way. He also told me that the thing that's so interesting about the drums is that they sound like they're being played backwards They're reverse in terms of
2: well i, I was gonna beat. ask were were you playing an electric pad on that or was it real drum kit
1: no no it was completely fully acoustic drum kit there was some thought early on of attempting to mix in some technology in the percussion and the drums because i was so adamantly in love with the electronic demo to this day, it's something that I still laugh about. I still you know not you're making
2: way. me really want to hear that a lot. You're making me really want to hear this. you well, know that, let, right? let, me, let me just say that that this
1: is it's still a topic that Brian, <laughs> Brian and I still not in a serious way by any stretch, but i I, I still fight to to hear that to hear that uh, that which by the way, he is doing something with that on his on his own, which makes me very happy. But I was so moved by that demo. But at the same time, I wanted to find certain things syllabically in what he was saying and compliment them on the drums in a really strange way. It just came very natural to me that that was the way that we were going to do it. And early on, when it was still just Brian and myself working on that song, Brian was starting off on bass. So he was really making the 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 foot connection with me, and what he was doing instinctually matched with what I was doing instinctually. So I found no need to change it. Um, it's really that's that's really how it happened. It was when he started putting guitar on top of it, and when Dimitri began putting his guitar on and over the over the um, the the, um, the bridge. That's when things really began to sort of blossom into something else. It's like, what is this? You know, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you that that song and the song Spasmatic were the last. We'll, we'll two get to songs that. We'll, was, we'll get to that.
2: Yeah, okay, they, well, they
1: were the last two songs that we finished. We didn't I, I wasn't sure personally. And I had mentioned this to Brian many times towards the end. I, I wasn't sure if Where Do We Go was going to make the record. I wasn't sure. I wasn't sure how I felt about it. But somehow in those last sessions that Brian and I had together, after we went on a trip, we went to um, a studio out in in Omaha. And we were out there, he was out there working on solo stuff, but this is when we really had a conversation about what we were going to do with these songs. And we missed a flight to Erie, Pennsylvania and wound up back at my place in Chicago, wrapping up this song in my 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 loft and we figured it out then and it wound up being something at the very end that i felt so strongly about that it wound up being that the next single that we put out when we got signed to pravda they really wanted a single that they could push and it turns out that that was the first like you know official like album push effort single in it it worked out really the, the, more we play it live as a five piece, the more I, I I'm so in love with that song. And I'm so in love with what Brian is saying with what he has a point to say in that. I mean, he's, he's saying a lot and, and I've, I've, I've made the point before, like, I don't, I don't know. People say, well, do you think Sean, that, that we're, we're, we're going to go back to simpler times. Do you think that our division is going to go away? Do you think, um, do you do you think that it's it's you know there's 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 always it always swings back around i don't think that's the case this time i don't think it's going to get better i don't think that we're going to reach a place where there's some type of a harmony and people are going to have clarity and understanding each other i think that's due to several really big factors of the time that we live in um but the but the question my whole point to this is that the question still remains where do we go And uh, in no way is Brian trying to answer that. It's more of a, of a, it's more of a, you know, studying the symptoms rather than
2: offering a diagnosis,
1: you know? Wow.
2: Uh, geez, That's an epic explanation. Can you guys hear me? Yeah. 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 That was amazing. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. Like the epic explanation for that song, but you you really do make me want to hear that original demo now. Like you've really (laughs) built that up. Okay. So uh brian if if you're in the mode to share the love man please send it my way it'll come out one day it'll come out one day like in
0: a few different forms and also i feel like also one day (laughs) our um original our original like first and second and third rehearsals playing together i feel like some of those memos are going to come out too i feel like some of that stuff needs to be heard
2: you see sean sitting there going it is so fucking great and i'm like going wow that's that's funny to have somebody praising each other's work like that in a band to say that 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 really like speaks to how you guys work together you know i we've been
0: very prolific from the first time we played together it and um it's really special like i've never written with anybody else where we were able to be this prolific. It's like you can count on it. You can set a fucking watch to it. Like if Sean and I get together within five minutes of picking up our instruments, we're gonna come up with an idea that that we're gonna to want to put on an album. Or this the seed of an idea, you know?
2: Well, so let, let me ask on that because design is the the note here says you two met on a flight twenty two years ago.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh right. and,
2: and so. That was 22 years ago. What happened between then and now to to make this record that you, obviously you'd been making music in other places, but why Mm -hmm. to put an album out as this band now?
0: Well, I mean, I moved away from Chicago in 2007. I lived in Phoenix for a while. I lived in Nashville after that. And I started coming back up to Chicago to visit in 2014, um, making occasional trips and the first time i did or first or second time that i did i reached out to sean and um he had a rehearsal space at the time where he was playing with a few other artists and they kept a rehearsal space and we got together and that's when we just had a super prolific um you know back then i mean to answer your question sorry i got a little i started telling you something that we already talked about um back in you know the early 2000s, mid2000s when we met, we were both playing with other artists. So it, you know we, Sean was playing with, gosh, at least five different artists at the time and, and really hustling. and I was in another band that was doing music full time and we just it, you, you know, it just we were doing our own things. And then I moved away. I was in Phoenix and I um, started making some solo music then for the fun of it um, moved to Nashville. So like, it really just wasn't obvious to us until I started coming back up to Chicago. And, and it's like, well, why don't we play some music together? I wasn't playing with a band at that time. And, um, yeah, we, we got together just for fun and it, and it really clicked.
2: Okay. So I I'll get on to that in a second. Then just, um, you guys know what Pravda means in Russian, by the way, do, do either of you speak no, Russian? it means truth. yeah i
0: looked it up but i can't remember it means
2: truth in Russian, that's cool <laughs> yeah so I, 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 I like that yeah i speak russian so i'm um, not fluently but enough wow yeah yeah that's I, cool you would love our you would love our,
1: our guitarist Dmitri. you would love talking with him
2: uh well like again my my russian is meh you know um I was hanging out with the guys in Strange Love, the Depeche Mode experience. I don't know if you know who they are. They they're the biggest Depeche yeah, Mode band, mm-hmm. and I their their yeah. lead singer. He's he's Russian, and I was they were here a couple of weeks ago in Salt Lake, and I was like, "Hey, and he looked at me and he just kind of shook his head like, nope, not gonna speak Russian to you," you know. So, <laughs> but he but he's like, "No, no Russian, man. This all English," you know. And That's fun. Uh, yeah so but um yeah that was just kind of the internet like prob the records yeah man that's the uh that's uh that's what it means is is truth in the russian so um love it yeah well i when i was a kid i grew up in the dc area and for some reason we got on the mailing list for the russian embassy somehow and we would get all this propaganda from the russian embassy and I'd be like, oh, hey, check that out, man. New magazine from the Russian embassy. <laughs> and it was called Pravda. And I was like, okay. And I had to go and start learning a lot of Russian that way. And that's how I learned what truth no shit. Yeah. yeah, true story. So, um, wow. yeah, but I, I speak German and French and Dutch because that was where wow. I, was, yeah, I used to live in. I served my Mormon mission in, in Hamburg, Germany and so i learned german living there for years but i also grew up speaking french used to live in france i went to a french university in in montreal so uh yeah i'm all like so languages are all kind of bit my bag here so
0: that's very cool man
2: yeah um so enough about me uh (laughs) what's that sean
1: no I, i that's extremely impressive i that's that's wild,
2: yeah, but I can't play like you guys, so I mean, hey, we have our talents, right um so uh wolf in sheep's clothing, I sorry, wolf and sheepskin, right, sorry, that one was really dark, and that was kind of it gave me the same vibe as uh you know, your song destroyer, right, Brian uh, on yeah. on your solo record it had a lot of that yeah. same vibe in it, um, but you're sure. telling a different story. Although "Wolf in Sheepskin" and "Destroyer" those are two very ominous titles, you know. But uh, mm-hmm. uh, the line uh, "Wolf in Sheepskin," you never saw me coming. Now you're screaming as I'm blowing your house down, blowing down your house. Uh, coming to find you, come and win your heart. No one is changing, just as silent as closing your as you closing your eyes. Um. Whoa. Okay. Very bleak lyrics. What was going on in that song, man? That was like, like, because you're, I'm getting a couple of stories in that one, but talk about that song for a moment, if you guys can.
0: To me, that one is um, interesting. I mean, not interesting, but funnily enough, I wrote that in the, um, I wrote that on a piano in the choir, the back room, choir room of a church like eight years ago, (laughs) like the piano part. But um, in Florida. Um, the lyric was it is before or after the sermon oh uh, it was after the sermon but it okay. was years before mirrors would be a band It's just a piano idea that was kicking around for a while that i really liked but the lyric is really about how i view um it's kind of like it's not the same thing as um sinistry, but it's like the idea that with this new surveillance state is Like, um, we're going to hit a threshold, and I believe that we already have, where people act differently, because where people are going to stop acting like humans, because everyone knows that everything you say and do is being recorded, and that fundamentally changes how human beings act in the world and with other people, and The technology, I mean, it really came in with, I mean, if we're being real, the Patriot Act. Mm -hmm. But, you know, technology, Patriot Act, whatever it would have been, it wouldn't have been what it is without the technology that that was used. But it's it's changed what it's like to be a human in relation to other humans. So, like, now, like the the kind of just like no one is changing. No one is, no one's standing up anymore. There's not really much we can do. We've hit this point where all you can do is just kind of be sorry and, and close your eyes and keep moving forward and pushing the pushing the cart or whatever. You know, like it's a bummer. It's not a song of hope, <laughs> but I mean, it's, re- it's real, it's reality. It's like, uh, I don't see it going backwards. I I just don't see how it could. I think that um, it's just like, I've had this idea for a while and this might sound really weird and it's not a really fleshed out idea, but there's an idea that I have that like the modern, like um, not professional curated and filmed and maybe even professional curated film, but like pornography in a way especially like amateur pornography is like a last ditch throw at ultimate freedom, because if you can't blackmail me, because because your your nakedness is like the most vulnerable thing that you have, besides your internal thoughts, right? Mm-hmm. And if you go ahead and you show the world your nakedness, then they don't have anything on you. They can't come to you and say, if you preempt that, then they can't come to you and say, "Oh, we see you. We see who you are." So it's almost like a rebellion against control. It's like I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there first, and I think there's a weird connection between that and like surveillance. Like if if you believe that there's something you're afraid people are going to see or know about you or find out about you, then, then somebody has control over you and it's going to change the way you interact with other human beings forever. And I think that idea of surveillance is, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what else I could say about it.
2: Oh, that is heavy, but no, that is the point that big brother, look, man, we have the internet, big brother knows what you're doing they they, they yeah. know everything you're doing you know why well because they know where you go online they know what porn you're watching they know what music you're listening to they know what what newspapers you're reading online right like like that is what we have right now we are in Big brother just the internet yeah, yeah. a TV screen in your house that watches you and and back everything that you're doing that's that's, that's what that's we literally have literally
0: yeah. from 1984
2: <laughs> it is what, 1984 yeah um although a point that you, you want to like I um I do computer forensics, by the way, that's, that's my job is I, I do computer and I teach it for universities. They teach it to law enforcement students and something that was really funny was I, I helped a a woman who had, she had been a porn star and she had uh, in her younger years, you know, and then they came back and, and found out and it wasn't that she was touting it, but she said, yeah, I did it, but nothing illegal about it or whatever, right? It was what was going on. And then I actually ended up helping her with her lawsuit with this people that, that fired her. She ended up walking out with $1.7 million out of this lawsuit. So, you know, kudos, right? But wow. yeah, wow. I, I talked to her about it and she, I said, so are you against the porn industry or whatever? She said, I'm against the big world of porn. Okay, because the porn stars don't have as much say in what goes across as right as I think we should. She said, I am all for the DIY amateur porn. That's all, you know, and she's gonna go and and work in uh as an attorney work representing sex workers. you know, yeah. on that exact point that you just made that you know, once somebody's been seen naked out there in the uh diy amateur porn thing there's nothing that you could hold against me man that's all out there kind of thing and i just i you made me think about that i'm like yeah she she went through a lot but she walked out with 1.7 million but it's basically saying you know back to everybody you know you can't (laughs) hold this against me anymore you know um yeah so but man like you you guys really put a lot of thought into there's a lot of thinking into your work man i one of my one of my favorite things about
1: playing or writing songs with brian even when we record them um only a couple times and i really mean this only a couple times over our friendship or over the time of being mirrors have i ever asked him to explain lyrics to me I think that can be invasive, I think that can take away purpose, and I think that can, uh, it can color things differently if you do that. So only a few times out of just curiosity have I ever asked him what the songs mean. I mean, I can figure it out. I, I know him long enough and I know the style in which he writes where I can have a solid estimation of what I think is happening in the song. For me, Wolf and Sheepskin, really takes a stab or a bite into the way that people embrace identity politics the way that people embrace those that they see as their leader um and they put all their belief into that person they put all their idealization into that person they put themselves into that person and what happens in the case of donald trump Who creates a cult of personality, you have someone who claims to, you know, no one knows the Bible better than I do. No one knows A, B, C, D, E, F, G better than I do. No one can do this better than I do. The problem is, is that people still make excuses for his behavior. People become this cult and they become his sort of spiritual fortress. And they begin to follow this man into the so-called paradise of America being great again. And the problem is, is that he really is a true, in 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 the way I see it, in the way that it's even pointed in Scripture, he is a wolf in sheepskin, and he is a a a, a real a real great deceiver, <laughs> you know. Oh
2: yeah, yeah. And like people... it's to say Daniel eleven, I would say he was, he was the guy spoken about in Daniel eleven, or
1: yeah, absolutely, a hundred percent. And and it's and it's and it's sad because. Here are people who claim to have a real faith which is which is commanded to be nonpartisan, it's commanded not to take sides, it's commanded not to be of that world, and yet they want to own him to own others. And it's it's really sad. There is there is no going back. Brian's right, there is no going back in that. But lyrically, that's sort of what I the more I listened to it, that that's re- really what hit me about that. Um, so just,
2: just on it, that it, note, if if you were to say, I need you to explain this to me, do you think it would affect how you played or would, would it change how you approach playing? No, no, it wouldn't affect how I played it at all, but it, it
1: would just, it would just color my perception of the song, but I, oh, okay. I, I really try to give Brian that space. Yeah. I really try to give Brian that space. I don't, I don't ask a lot of questions about that. I don't, I, I've, I, you know, I mean, it, that, those are his words. I stand by them. And most of the time I agree with those words. I would say 99% of the time I agree with those words. Um, yeah, it's just, it's just for me as a fan. I mean, I, I, I sort of came up after meeting Brian. and became a fan of him and his music. And I was, I was removed from his music. I wasn't part of it yet. I wanted to be, but I wasn't. So for me, it was really just from being a fan, just like any other records or the band I'm into, I like, I like, I like sometimes the anonymity of lyrics. I like to, to decipher them on my, on my way of understanding the record after play, after play, after play. That's fun for me. And, and also wanted to respect Brian's sort of lyrical privacy, even in the writing process. Some bands like to sit down on the floor over lunch and everyone discusses the lyrics. I've seen really wonderful documentary footage of bands that really go over their lyrics and they share them with their bandmates. I think that's beautiful. I think that's wonderful. I think it's a great thing to communicate, and everyone gets behind that and understands it. But Brian and I've never really needed to do that. You know, the songs sort of speak for themselves, and I, I just sort of follow suit that way. Wow. You know,
2: I right, see. For me, I'm the guy who I listen to the lyrics. I get all worked up. I watch the videos. I try and say, okay, what is, what was going on here? What did they mean? What was, you know, and, uh, yeah, that's, that's why I do what I do. I love being able to ask you guys about all this. You know, there's some, there's so much to what you guys have put together. It's, um, uh, let's see. What about, uh, let's see. You had mentioned parallax earlier, right? And, uh, This is the this is like the almost goth. I mean, warming yourself by the fire. Come in from the front line. That's not blood on my teeth. I just come in from the street into the into the place where we eat. Um, and and then the next line. So okay, I was let me just explain. I was on the treadmill at the gym, listening to this (laughs) song,
3: uh,
2: a couple of days ago, and the line, uh, you soldier on with a pocket of pills or whatever, right? And I just like had to stop, and like you know, put my feet on the side of the treadmill, let the belt keep flying, scroll back a little bit, and go. Okay, what was that one? And I I was like, this one I need to get on this. What I need to get a note on this one. What this this <laughs> song? Like like it hit me that hard that it wasn't like oh I could just keep running, man. I got to stop, and 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 take a note and say what what is this one? Uh, <laughs> I mean you're you're talking about that's not blood on my teeth uh and taking you know you you, you drawing with a pocket full of pills or whatever um i was feeling like okay this is ptsd this is i have seen combat this is you know that uh the kind of the the, the story in the song by dire straits brothers in arms you know yeah there was that, because th- there's the line, my mountain home, leave us alone. But there's also the Hurt Locker, Jeremy Renner's character, who just said, I need to still be back in that. And I, It's a I, great f- film.
1: It's I, a very I, sad film, but it's a great film.
2: Right, but yeah. I, I felt it, I felt both of those things in this song, but among others, yeah. but those were the two main stories, right? The, the brothers in arms, I've got my mountain, I'm just going to stay up here, but God, I need that. I that I felt some sort of purpose being in there with bullets flying around me because I still felt like I was doing something right or fixing something or whatever, right? That was what I – anyway, I, those were the two extremes of that song. And uh, yeah. I, I never could figure out Parallax. What does that mean? But the rest of the song, please, just like – that from somebody with PTSD, I could say was – I, I related a great deal to so much of what was going on in it. That one is, um, about
0: coal miners in West Virginia and the exploitation of coal miners in West Virginia, which is where I grew up. Okay. Yeah. That one is, um, I was just reading about just that, just the exploitation of coal miners. And, um, you know there were a few years ago it was more than a few years ago where a bunch of coal miners were trapped in a in a mine and um yeah that's just that's just what it's about um and I was thinking about the 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 times of like the factory store you know where like you would work for the company and the company would have a factory store and rather than being paid you would you would be paid basically in store credit and you know a lot of these workers that was the case so like they never had i mean it's almost like sharecroppers you didn't have the money to you never had the money to really have your own freedom you had store credit that would keep you alive and um yeah like the the mess hall this is where we eat you know you're, yeah. I, I just yeah. I had this I did some reading and then I just got this mental image of a bunch of guys standing around like Zoolander in front of this building and it's dark outside and there are electrical wires and you can just hear the humming of the wires and they're all waiting to go into the mess hall to eat. But the people who are letting them in are really vampires, you know, they're they're preying on, on the lives of these men by not really even paying them, but keeping them a slave to the company in the company store. There's, there's nowhere to go in West Virginia. I mean, what are you going to do? There's no mobility in West Virginia in like 1930, you know, and the opioid crisis that's like going on there.
2: Okay, man. You see, like, I never would have got that, but you could see where I got my, my stories from. Right. Yeah, for sure. And that's why I don't really talk often. Awesome. Awesome. I mean, like
0: that's the mirror. That's to me, the magic of like, Ambigu ambiguity is because like it can means it can mean so many things to so many different people. And I love that about like not knowing a hundred percent about you know it's like these guys, the the opioid crisis, and it's it's really an epidemic in West Virginia, and you've got these people who have no mobility, and like they really are being preyed upon and what do they do? you take you take opiates to like to like feel better, to be able to just like exist in the world. And like the respirators like, you know, the coal miners who can't yeah. breathe anymore.
2: Wow, man. You guys, you guys do very intense work. And I, I, I mean, I like, I'm sure you're, you're not offended by my take or what that meant or or, or No, or not, not in any way. No,
0: right. Man, like, man, no, I'm like, just like really thankful and honored that you took the time to listen to the songs and to even think about the lyrics. That's really special. Absolutely. Oh, I, I love it the It is music. really an honor.
2: Yeah, I, I, I love the music, but that, that's how i that's how I roll, man. If I hear it and I really like it, I'm going to go digging into it. Okay. Like I can't, I mean, like all right. I, I I had a friend was trying to convince me to go and listen to all this gangster hip hop. I was like, there was nothing. Those lyrics didn't work, man. You know, he kept going, but try this and try this and try this. I'm like, it doesn't, you know, I'm not there's nothing abstract about yo, I wanna blow that bitch away with my big red, you know. It doesn't work, right? You know, I I don't what you guys are laying down there is like, hi, here's some words and it could mean this, but you go where it takes you, right? That was that's pretty much what I've been getting from from this conversation. But your your lyrics are so in-depth. You guys put so much thought into your music and lyrics and the the sounds of it. I mean, I, I can just imagine, like you said, your engineer going like, "All right, man, let's do this. Let's make some magic happen, right?" You know, your engineer probably hears some really awesome stuff that I could only dream of. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> I mean, like I'm He's saying, a really guys, solid guy. Yeah, well, shoot, that I mean, like you said, you you if if you guys are just working and then you're smiling, then you know you've hit it. I'd love to kind of, I'd you know, I just think, well, what was that session like? What would it like to be in there? So, um, I got a whole bunch more questions, but we are coming up on time here. Uh, let's see. Talk about are you guys doing? Uh, a, you guys got a tour plan for this? What What have you got for direction there? And, uh...
1: yeah, yeah, we do. We're actually about to start announcing some tour routes. I think we'll begin in uh, late June and we'll be on the road for a large part of the year, for the rest of the year, um, we'll be out. Um, In terms of the end cities for those routes right now, we're looking at New York City, we're looking at Detroit, Minneapolis, Nashville, maybe as far west as Omaha. If we can go further, we'd love to, but there needs to be something going on there for us. and then as far southwest as who knows right now. I mean, I would love to go to Austin, but that doesn't seem realistic right now. But who knows? I mean, it, things things are changing by the day. They're changing by the week. So,
2: Well, if, if we can get enough interest here in Utah, I'd love to have you guys hit it here, man.
1: Uh, I would love. Yeah, because that means if we did that, that means that we would head west to California, which, of course, we want to do. California, um, but all Denver, in, all Vegas. Yeah. But yeah, right yeah. now we're really. Yeah, and I love. And that. we will eventually do really well in Denver because I have a lot of friends. Want to hear us? Absolutely. So right now, the the main focus is is putting together uh, what we want to do on the road. We've been playing a lot in Chicago, which has been received really well. Um, you know, in coordination with with the label, with putting out the record, people seem to be, um, you know, really uh, interested in what's happening right now. So we're we're grateful for that. Um, we have a small, little black and white. Performance, a uh, little mini doc that we made during COVID, during the pandemic, that we're going to be putting out soon, um, called definitive version. We decided since we couldn't go out and play shows at the time, we decided that we have a show of our own, <laughs> and oh, I put together, great. Uh, yeah, I, I put together a small camera crew that I, I had met through some friends of ours who were running a label at the time, and I was really impressed by Nick Drew's work um, for their clients. So after several meetings with Nick and several meetings with Brian, uh, we decided to get together and and make this little film. I'm not even sure what to call it still, but it made a short little film that will be actually be the first episode of of many to follow um, in partnership with Narwhal Studios, with Brian Deck, with sort of documenting these really wonderful bands that we believe in, these bands that we're interested in, in the way that I, that I, have in my mind the way that i want to do it and then at the same time we've been writing a lot we have most of the material for record number two um okay we're not really going to say much more past that but but I, i can say that we've been trying out a lot of that material live sort of interwoven with what we've been playing from the record and people seem to be really into it i mean now that we're writing as a as a five piece band, it does have different legs. It does have a different type of um, activity. It, it's just a different thing. And, and I'm really excited to, to do something about it. Um, you know, it's, it, it, you can only be a two piece. You can only be a duo for so long when you have the ambitions of a band and a record. And we're so proud of that. And that Brian and I still plan on writing together just the two of us, that won't stop. Um, in fact, I wanted to make a point earlier, Brian was talking about how at any given time, things arise, things come up. I mean, just for this last batch of rehearsals that we had a couple of weeks ago, I was setting up my drums in this photography studio that we were re- rehearsing in and immediately caught a couple notes, a couple uh, a phrase that Brian kept playing over and over again. And he began to sing and I was putting my floor toms together with the stands. And I, I right away, I just asked him, what was that? And he already knew that I had interest because he's like, oh, don't worry. I have it recorded on my phone. We're going to go back to that. Album. <laughs> I mean, it was just, just that's how it works with us. It's, it really is immediately. I, I could hear everything happening that wasn't us. I could imagine what the guys were doing. I can imagine what I was doing just from hearing this simple phrase and this Melody that was coming out of Brian. It was just absolutely beautiful. And in fact, a couple days ago, I, I I caught up with him on and I was texting him. I'm like, you know, I'm already imagining these things. It's really all it takes for us. There's something about Brian's that's just so inviting me, and it just comes so easy. Well, so,
2: I, I I build a lot of visuals on if the music's good and then the lyrics can get in there, I really build a lot on them. Uh you know um I, i'm going to cl- so what what do you guys want me to start the show with by the way
4: uh what, what, what pick, song do you want me to play well, Whatever no, that, you're feeling, that's your man. pick
2: i'm 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 playing this out with nightwalk i'm just going to explain why okay okay um I, because it's my favorite song of yours that's why um okay <laughs> that's nightwalk a reason was like i mean down the long <laughs> hall to where the voice calls from the dark, daydreams on a split screen measures what's come and gone. I mean bleak, but very much along the Big brother idea, right The daydreams on a split screen. I'm like, man, this... I'm sorry man, there's a train that's about to go by I me mean, I'm I'm gonna mute the phone while you're sure. talking like you like that's one that I would say a toss- up between Lou Reed and Shakespeare on on those lyrics right there um it was oh my goodness yeah i mean that line like just the, the lyrics in that song night Walk, yes if i'm <laughs> reading shakespeare yeah it just was so well done on that but that thank is my you, favorite song of your guys really um and i want to play us out with that if you want to just give me a quick 15 seconds on what that song means or what it anything about that and then pick the one you want me to open with because the whole album's great, but that's what I'm playing this out with is Night Walk.
0: Sure. I mean, that song came from, that was the only song on this album that didn't come from an idea that started with myself and Sean that came from um, kind of this little uh, this little loop, instrumental loop that our guitar player Dimitri came up with and it had a very different feel um, but we really liked the melody, and just like I was mentioning about about where do we go, Sean and I were in a room, Dimitri was in Nashville, he wasn't even with us, he sent it to us, and we just thought, well, this is, this is really cool, we're, we're both really into this idea, how can we take the idea and make it something that the two of us can play on drums and guitar right now? And that really is the foundation, usually, of all of our songs, because again, like, if you have the bones, you can put any clothes on it, you know?
2: But how, how did you um, know those lyrics then? The lyrics, um, what, Was it in a dream where Lou Reed was in a Shakespeare play or, uh... No, honestly,
0: I'll tell you like
2: some of those lyrics came from an experience that I had,
0: um, a, a lot of years ago about quitting smoking. I went and saw a hypnotist and, um, and it worked like I was in a place where also I was ready to quit smoking. I really was, but I still, there were just vestiges of the habit that were left around, but I saw a hypnotist and the process, there's this mental exercise that a lot of hypnotists and therapists use where you imagine um, you walk into a movie theater and you're sitting in the back of a movie theater and you're watching a, a screen and then the screen becomes a split screen. And the idea is that you imagine yourself Um, you see yourself on one screen, you know, performing the habit and all the worst parts of the habit. And then you see yourself on a second screen and you see the, um, you know, what your life is like without this habit. And um, that was kind of like the genesis of, of some of the, you know, some of the ideas of the song and like, and really the song is about making peace with um the expect the, the the possibly unrealistic expectations that you might have for your own life like when i was i mean i remember being 28 years old you know and thinking i was in a band at the time and i remember being 28 and just thinking like if i don't have a major label record deal by the time i'm 30 you know if i'm not making a living making music with like sony records or or Epic or whoever by the time I'm 30, then like I can't imagine a way forward in my life. Like I can't imagine what what would be worth living for, you know, if that isn't it was all I wanted. And it's, you know, we change as we get older and we we um things are more or less important in different times in our lives. But um gosh, just like thinking about how later in life, I mean that's really the lyric, you know in a fever to discover or recover what was never really there. And like, it's it's interesting how we hold these expectations for ourselves based on, we, we, we attach our value as human beings to things that never existed, right? Like that was never a reality. I was never on Columbia. I was never on Capitol. It's something that no one ever promised me when I was born. It was no thing that I ever had a reasonable reason to believe I I deserved. And yet I tied my value of my life to something that never existed. It would be like saying, you know, unless you can go pick up that Jeep with your hand and lift it off the ground, then like you're worthless. It's like, but why wouldn't I instead like place my my, my self-worth on something that like I can, that I can do now, or that is attainable now, or better yet, just I'm worth something because I'm a human being who's alive right now. And that's enough, you know? Um, So it's just kind of like an examination in a way of like, with the hypnosis thing of like, maybe hypnotizing myself in, into like a healthier way of, of thinking about living where I can just be okay being, and that's enough.
2: Wow. Jeez. you're you're the philosopher man you're the deep think i i've I, I don't come across people who are this deep as, as deep as, as as you guys so this is uh, this has been a hell of you a have no idea man so do you guys get philosophical while you're just hanging out writing or, or recording do you just just start talking about philosophical stuff or yeah uh, i mean s- i would say not that, so um, much
0: when sean and i just hang out you know, that's when we talk. No, oh, okay.
2: Yeah. So when not, we're just hanging
0: out. Yeah. All right. Wow. So if you guys come up with a song yet. Oh, um, Sean, I'm gonna leave that up to you.
1: You know, I, I wouldn't mind um I I would I would say something like spasmatic.
2: Okay, then I will open us up with spasmatic and I will close this out with Nightwalk. So everybody, this is mirrors, and the album is called Motion and Picture. Actually, for- no, I'm gonna change oh. that. What what do you want it <laughs> to be? I I am so lately, I'm so in love with
1: fields and forests. It it just says it still says so much to me.
2: Okay. So let's see, there's the line: you say one day I'm gonna know my name, then I won't be ashamed. But why would I be? Um, I will leave that for everyone's interpretation. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so okay guys everybody this is mirrors out of chicago the the veteran band that clashed to make this fabulous record called motion and picture go and give it a spin it is out where uh, musicians don't get paid for your streaming on every platform out there um (laughs) it's a definite winner of a record guys and uh so I hope that you guys get out on tour and you you do make some some good money and good exposure because this is this is really good work. So everybody thank else, you so much uh, thank yeah, you, thank you so much, thank you, Brian and Sean. Everybody else, take care, be good to each other, and let music do awesome in your lives. And thank you so much, Sean and Brian, for your time and the very very deep conversation that was heavy, as everybody here can. A test too. Uh, Special thanks to Barry Andrews of Shriekback for letting us use the theme and title of Sticky Jazz. And here is Fields and Forest by Mirrors, everyone. Take care and have a gnarly week. As I walk among
4: fields and forests. Concrete's raining on my head. I don't know if I can feel anymore. Voices voice is saying that. you say one day I'm going to know my name Then I won't be ashamed But why would I be? It's something you can tell choices all around us There's a voice bleeding in my head Saying just go away now Past invisible lines Then somebody said just get to the chorus Trapped in a box Tears running down your face Saying